So down here in the flatlands, let's see what Rocky Mountain talking sounds like. Um, no. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome Welcome to the the Barbarian Barbarian Prophets. I know you all think that I've been lost for some time, and I know most of you know that I disappeared into the Alaskan outback there for just a while. I went up to a place called Homer, and uh, while I was in that quaint little drinking village, I developed a fishing problem while I was there and just ended up having to catch as many stinking fish as you can imagine. But we were actually on a mission trip up there, and uh, then when I came back, I needed to come to Oklahoma. So I am coming to you today from the flatlands in the middle of the country. I have left my Rocky Mountain perch, and I have swooped down here onto the the Great Plains. I, I traveled across Kansas. I waved at people back in Nebraska from one end of it. Uh, I drove through more cornfields. I didn't know that they made something called uh, corn cob jelly. Did you guys know that? No. Nope. Yeah. Have you ever had any? Yeah, me neither. So, um, so part of being on a radio show is we don't move our heads. We actually use our voices like they taught us in school. It'll be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Christy's over there giving them coaching messages on how to uh, abuse the host. So, hey, Barbarian Nation, I just wanted to thank you for uh, waiting for me to return. Now, I know some of you are up in the mountains this week and uh, in LaBarge, so I just want to give a shout out to our brothers and sisters in LaBarge, Wyoming, that are going to a conference, and then a uh, shout out to all of my Lutheran brothers and sisters that are down here in Oklahoma for the great convocation. So we'll discuss that, and we'll be rounding some people up about that. So, I know it sounds like I've been talking forever, and I have two guests on here, but I've only really been at it about two and a half minutes, and uh, we're going to have to go over the dinner conversation in which we know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, She will get up and walk away from the table if I do. I am down here with one of my oldest and dearest friends, and it isn't that he's old. It's just I have never not known Robbie Shinoeth. So, Robbie, welcome to the Barbarian Prophet. Well, thank you, old friend. And uh, you are old. We uh, we are old. <laughs> We're getting old. And you are married to the lovely lady at the end of the table. And young Miss, what what would be your name? Carrie. <laughs> Carrie Shinoeth would be her name. So we just kind of had to chirp that in there at the end. <laughs> Okay, she's so only a, she's only a Shinoeth on a good day. She's only a Shinoeth on a good day. I get it. There's some days that she decides not to be a Shinoeth. Uh, when, yeah. when it's a good day for me. Yeah, yeah, that is a good day for you. So you two live here in what? What is this? Is not Oklahoma City. You live just outside Oklahoma City at in Edmond. Edmond. All right. And so, uh, Robbie, you originally born in Casper? Nope. Where were you originally born? Illinois. Illinois, oh, that's right. And? In Chicagoland. Chicagoland. So what's the story? What's the story with your last name? What kind of name is Shinoeth? It is. Really, what kind of name is Shinoeth? (laughs) Yes. I've always wondered. It is Welsh. It means new house. Right on. 
And uh, Carrie, where do you come? Were you born in Wyoming? I was born and raised in Casper. Were you born in a log cabin or anything special? No, I was born in the hospital there. Oh, yeah. Over, yeah. I was born in that hospital too. Yeah. So uh, now both you guys ended up, uh, how did you two meet? <laughs> through you. Oh, through me. Oh, that's right. You did meet through yeah. me, kind of. involved in everything. I am, sometimes. Literally. So, well, I mean, for real, how did you two meet? You guys really didn't meet through me. You met through my sister. Well, kind of through kinda. both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were telling me about her, and yes, your sister was telling Carrie about me. Yeah. And both of us use the same phrase. They're single. <laughs> <laughs> They're currently single. Just jump in there. Give uh, it a okay, shot. Uh, yeah. Okay. And so you two got married. How long have you been married? <laughs> 24 years. Twenty. No kidding. 24 years. Actually, 23. In June, it was 23. 23 years, and you guys are moving on towards uh, your 25th wedding anniversary. That is pretty amazing when you really stop and think about that. That's great. That's really amazing, knowing me. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of amazing. Um, So, uh, Carrie, I'm assuming with that, you work outside of the house a great deal, right? Um, Yes. Okay. So, really, what do you do for a living? So I do a few things. I am a preschool teacher. I've been teaching preschool for like 30 years. Um, and I also am a private investigator. Whoa. It's like my bucket list thing. Whoa. I want to hear about that. I didn't know about the... the you didn't know that? You're a PI. Do, can I call you Magnum? Uh, Maggot. Maggot would be better. I think Maggot is a bad name. So let's come up with something else. Everybody is dying listening to this show right now. I'm not chopping any of this out. Obviously, I don't know what that means, I guess. so. A maggot? I wasn't thinking like that. Like Maggie. Maggie. Okay, okay. okay. Anyway. Let's jump back to the show here real quick. Let's dial her back in. <laughs> so you became a private investigator. Please inform me what that looks like down here. Um, I do different types of jobs for either people privately that are looking for someone or needing something investigated, surveilled. Um, lawyers call me and ask me to find people for them. Um, I also do security. So I am okay. A so what? Is, so let, let's back up to the. We're on the PI thing here. I'm Still not letting there. the PI thing okay. leave. Mm-hmm. So how do you do research to find somebody? What do you What do you do in order to track somebody down? I have programs that only PIs can have. Police departments. So so, so you can do a background check on just about anybody. Yes, kind of. It's kind of like that. Okay. And so when you're when you're looking for this person, I mean, in general, what happens when you get hired to hunt down a person? What is generally the purpose of that? Well, for instance, I got a case this morning and a gentleman had loaned a hundred thousand dollars to this man and he never paid it back and they can't find him. So it's my job to try to see if I can find out and locate where he's at. So that makes good sense. To him. Okay. So, yeah. And and so that's one of the reasons you search is to make sure, you know, serving papers and... Right, looking and, for addresses, phone numbers. Right. 
vehicles right. that he drives. Okay. Yeah, things like that. So then, uh, then what's the other thing? Okay, so we'll, let that, we'll move on from the PI thing, and we'll go on to uh, the other. Uh, what's I the other do, thing you do with a family advocate? Is that what you said? Well, I do that also. So my younger sister um, is an individual with special needs, and so she lives with Rob and I here, and we take care of her. And so I'm her agency companion. Okay. And uh, so does that require a big chunk of your time? Um, I mean, sometimes it can. Uh, I mean, it starts out in the morning time trying to help her get ready for the day, showers, getting her breakfast ready, making sure she gets her medications. And then she goes to an adult day center that she calls her job, and she loves that. And so we get that break during the day. She gets a break from us. We get a break from her. And we pick her up later in the afternoon and come back home, and we're just a happy little family. That's awesome. And yeah. so, and then you also talked about daycare. You've been teaching at a daycare for how long? Well, I had a home preschool daycare for over 18 years here in our home, and I did that. And then I retired from that, and I have a good friend that is the director of a preschool, church preschool here in town, and she asked me to come and work for her. So I've been working with her, and I teach preschool for three-year-olds. But you don't attend their church, right? So that's that's no. not like a requirement. And we have the same thing at our church. <laughs> I mean, I, ha- I have uh, teachers there that uh, that attend other churches in the community, et cetera, and uh, but they all understand that we're a faith-based uh, preschool. And so I'm assuming that that's partly right with that, correct? Yes. Okay. And so what else do you, what else do you, what's your, you take care of the house, you, your husband is making a gun motion with his hand. Well, I also do private security. Oh, oh that's right. Private security guards. So I get hired to do different Gigs, I guess you could call them. She gets to be the security guards at the cage fights. Cage fights. That's funny because my wife, when my wife got saved, she got saved in the same town that they uh, filmed Napoleon Dynamite in. And so I always tell her that she was just training to be a cage fighter and she gets very angry. So would you protect me from that? Oh, wow. She's going to sock me now. Okay. So anyway, let's talk about the cage fighting situation. What do you protect the fighters? What do you do? I, yeah. Or just when people in the audience are getting a little out of control because they're mad because their fighter didn't win or a bad call or like to hike chairs at the cage and we have to. Help them out the front door. So why didn't you ever become a cop? I did try to become a cop, actually. And then what happened? Ca- and when we lived in Casper, okay, I applied, and I had a family friend who was a sheriff there who pulled my request and came to me and said that he will continue to pull my request because he did not want me to be in that lifestyle. So you just decided to go around and become Mag, the female version of Magnum P.I. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Okay. Now, yeah. Rob, hey, you've lived down here in Oklahoma for quite a little chunk, but you went to school down here, didn't you? Yes, I did. Okay, Oklahoma which State. Oh, oh Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. Go oh, Pokes. Go Pokes, right. There. 
Go Pokes. So give me the rest of the story. So what did you take when you were in school down here? I started out as architectural design, and then about three years into it, realized that uh, the the gray matter that it takes to be an architect, where everything is touchy-feely, is not me. It either works or it doesn't, so I went into architectural engineering. Nice. So the other thing that I've got to ask you about that is, uh, did you... Uh, uh, Tell me what's the best building you ever designed when you were doing the architectural thing. One that everybody would recognize. Oh, when I was when I was a practicing engineer, oh, <clears throat> around here would be the um, the office building for the Attorney General for the state of Oklahoma. See, he never goes to Sonic, does he? No, he designed no. Sonics. He designed Sonics everywhere. Everybody knows where that's at. No, he goes to the super high end thing. But I remember my friend. I would brag to everybody. I'm pretty sure my friend Robbie Chanoa designed that Sonic. You know, let's just go have a hamburger there. He probably did. He probably did. Yep, we went probably five years where we averaged probably about three a week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so now let's get on with the other questions, the very difficult, hard biblical questions that I'm going to just uh, just jump into <laughs> you and just pray that you know every ounce of your Bible for one end to the other. Actually, adding what's going to happen. Now, these are the ones that we already talked about over dinner, right? <laughs> yeah, I prepared you. You don't know how to fight back yet? <laughs> I didn't take notes. Oh, no. No, so here's the easy part. Robbie, what kind of church were you raised in? I was raised in a Mormon church. You were raised in a Mormon church. Carrie? I was raised in the Seventh-day Adventist church. So how does a Mormon and a Seventh-day Adventist end up together? For real. Bert, that's kind of a private question, don't you think? <laughs> yep, and it's just us and our listeners. <laughs> and um, I don't have that many listeners. We're only downloaded about 1,500 times a week, so there really is <laughs> not very many people listening. <laughs> They, who knows? They might not even be tuned into me anymore. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. They what? thought Bigfoot had kidnapped me, and it, it that wasn't what happened. So, so how you know for real? When you guys got together, Robbie, where was your religious thought process at that point? Were you were you a Christian? Were you a Mormon? What were you thinking? I was going to the Mormon church, but having a hard time living that lifestyle. Okay. Carrie, what about you? At that time, were you going to church still? Oh, yeah, I was going to church, but I was more probably in a non-denominational um, Baptist-type church. Okay. So then then my question becomes, when you two got together, part of your, your marriage setup as you guys were coming together, what did that end up looking like for you guys to talk about? I would, When you guys got married, I wasn't saved yet. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, well, it was, truthfully, was a mess. I bet it was. Yeah. It, did that cause a lot of strain early on in your marriage? Uh, I would say so, but I, I, from the very get-go, though, I told him I was not going to be, be a Mormon. So if that's what he was looking for, he you, probably needed to move on. You, you, were, he, you were out of that one. Absolutely. Okay, fair enough. Now, Rob, what about you? How did you feel about that? It didn't bother me because I wasn't committed to it. So I, I went to church there 
because that's the way I was raised, and that was the church that I knew. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have what they would call the testimony of it, or the understood the truth of it as they saw it. Um, and I had a lot of conflicts with bits and pieces of it. So. Well, and that and that's one thing that we have to realize. So when we're talking between all kinds of churches, okay, the Mormon Church being one. Uh, and uh, just understanding that we all say things, and it means different things, mm-hmm. right? I mean, tonight, here I am down south, so you would think that I speak English, but I don't speak English. I, I speak Wyoming, apparently. So what the situation was is at dinner, my buddy uh, says, I'd like to have half and half. And then his sister-in-law says, I'd like to have half and half, too. And then his son says, I would like to have an Arnold Palmer. And I'm thinking to myself, when an Arnold Palmer's half lemonade, half tea, is that what the half and half business is? But what is half and half? It's half sweet tea and half regular tea. <laughs> Who would know such things? And they, when they ask me, now what kind of tea do you want? Do you want regular tea? I have to say, I want non-sweet Tea. I had to be very clear on that because regular tea down here, it means sweet tea. Yes, it does. And yeah, so you got to pay attention, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, now bouncing over there to the to the religion thing, that also has a tendency to have a little bit of a problem, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the Mormons, have, they use all kinds of phrases that are very Christianese. I mean, they use tons of them, tons of them. And, uh, in fact, they, uh, when they're walking you through stuff, they, they will go straight to the Bible and say, see this, and then they'll bounce to the other book and say, here's something a little different, right? Yep. So, Carrie, mm-hmm. is, <laughs> even with that, and I give Carrie a bad time, you guys have to understand, is I definitely love these two people just more than you can even imagine. But one of the things that uh, when it comes to certain phrasing, people get very held up on it because of their religious upbringing, because Mm -hmm. of their church upbringing. And uh, even though I was raised in the same church as Robbie, you can ask Robbie, I was a terrible Mormon because I was like, I've checked out of that thing pretty early on. (laughs) Poor Robbie (laughs) is like, I don't know why he comes here, but he does punch people on occasion. (laughs) It's quite entertaining. Um. So on the other end, so uh, what did you guys end up doing to come together? I mean, as a Mormon, did you leave the Mormon church? Oh, yeah. Okay. Carrie, did you leave the Seventh-day Adventist church or where yeah, you at Yeah, but that? I had left that probably when I was 18, 19 years old. Okay, why did so, you leave the seventh Because I did not agree with their teachings and things. I mean, they were just, it was a very works church. Mm-hmm. Um, I just... And it was very, we're the only ones going to heaven, so better get it together if you're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm. it just didn't set with me right. Mm-hmm. And so I started kind of searching then for something different, but I didn't really know what different was. Um, and it took me a long time. I kind of switched over from Saturday being the Sabbath and going on Sunday. So it took a long time and it still does sometimes, oh, just I, I because bet. I, uh, you know. You think that's mostly because you're raising? Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. Definitely. But we we can make this agreement that Sabbath is Saturday. 
I think so. I think so too. I mean, just so you so you know, I'm I'm totally on board with that. I I never make the confusion, although it makes some people very angry. <laughs> I don't confuse the Sabbath with church. There are mm-hmm. two different things, and that's um, I just never have. I I've always believed that the Sabbath was Saturday mm-hmm. uh, because because the Bible says so. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, so, Robbie, how did uh, so? What did you guys end up doing? I mean, so you you're no longer in the Mormon Church, you're no longer in the SDA, but you both want to go to church. So, what what do you end up doing? Well, I think it was much more stressful for her than it was for me, because to be honest, I was fine not going to church because when I went to the Mormon Church, I might go once. Once a month, maybe twice a month, and if I didn't go, it didn't bother me. So when we got married, it was a much higher priority for her than it was for me. And we probably went six months, nine months. I think it more was he went six months, nine months, and I finally just said, you know, I'm going to go find me a church because I had always gone to church. I never stopped until we got married. And I thought it would be something we'd find quickly, and it just didn't happen. And I just got to the point I couldn't deal with that anymore. So I kind of started church hopping a little bit, trying to find some place that I felt like was teaching the Bible. So did you mainly stick to non-denominational style churches? No, I went to. I probably went to a lot of Baptist churches. Is a lot of what I probably went to, um, and then. There's quite a few big churches around here, large churches. Right. And I, so, I remember when you guys went to a really ginormous church at one point. There's a couple of them that we have. And we went to one of the larger ones, and he agreed to go to that one. It was It is more of a non-denominational, mm-hmm. really kind of both of them are. Um, and sometimes I think he just felt comfortable because he could kind of just... Disappear? Yeah. Yeah. And, Light and, 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 you know. I think a lot of people like you got some people that like really small churches because they want to be active in it and they want they want to be missed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's the long mm-hmm. and short of it. And then there's other people that they definitely come into a church and they're like, hey, man, if I ain't going to be here for two or three weeks, I don't need somebody knocking on my door. You know, where you been? You know, why ain't you been at church? So I get that part. So when you guys find, did you guys find a church that you agreed on together or was there a lot of combat? How long did that take? I don't know that there was ever any combat. Once we found that first church, we went there probably about two years. Yeah, a couple of years. Um, and then, you know, the youth group, we found out some discouraging things were going on in the youth group. So we started looking at another church and, uh, that was smaller. We wanted something smaller. And the, yeah, the kids. You know, we've got five kids between us, and so what did, was kind of a common priority was finding a church that the kids could be involved in, and and be a part of. And so one of our daughters had a friend who invited her to a, a VBS, and it turned out that once all the kids went to that, that. One of the older kids found another friend, and then it just kind of was a good mesh for a few years until until that church kind of had some falling out and, and some you know uh, uh, typical church small church mess, and so we went and found another church. 
So do you see, what do you see as common things that you, when you get to a church and you feel comfortable, what's the common thing that you see in that church that makes, that draws you to it? Why? I mean, you honestly think about it. We're, we're all at a stage in our life to where, uh, we were raised and, uh, know that church is an important part of family life, right? Absolutely. But on the other part of things is that we're also seeing a society right now, especially since COVID, that has a tendency to whether they go to church or watch it online or don't participate at all, or I just need to worship Jesus on my own terms. Um, How do you, um, when you are searching for a church, what do you look for in that church? I mean, what what are the things that you want do you want that church to serve you, or do you look for a place you can serve? I would say first we were looking for a church that would serve us, because I think we felt um, in the two churches that we ended up leaving, pretty shocked at some of the stuff we saw and things that happened. And, I got you. Got to fill us in just uh, a little bit. You don't have to go into great detail; just every little bit. <laughs> Well, there were just things going on in the youth department that's not okay. You know? Okay. And okay. so, I mean, we can just put it at that. You okay. can use your imaginations. I promise you'll get there. Okay. Um, and well, the smaller... But to clarify, that was kids with kids. Right. You know, it, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, no. Not adult adults. There was no sexual assaults no. going on. Okay. Right. Um, and then, unfortunately, the next church we went to, we really loved and met some great friends and people and stuff, but... It became a who had money type thing, and who's going to support us, and and I don't know how she would explain it. It just was not well, and there was there was a lot of turmoil that was starting to develop within the church that was caused by the drama with wives, the pastor's wife some of the other deacons' wives that just kind of perforated through the whole congregation. Okay, so then you guys get done with church number two, and we're on to church number three. Are you still at that one? Nope. No. Nope. Okay, so what happened? <laughs> with, okay, so let's jump to the one you're at now. What drew you into the church you're currently with? We went to the other large church, and it's a very feel-good church. Again, you could get lost in it, not. Um, we even served in it, but still felt pretty much lost. Uh, we were in a good life group, um, made some good friends there. But I think both of us just realized that we needed more, and we weren't being fed the word like we needed and wanted desperately. And I don't know if you were going down this road, but I'm going to back you up. Let's back the truck up. To the third church. Church three. Church three. Mm-hmm. So part of, of Carrie's and my story, and of course you know this, but we were separated for three years. and we're year able 12. To, yep, at, yeah. at year 12. <coughs> and we're able to get through that and reunited. And, After three years. Yeah. Right, but how many years have 2015. we been? 2015. Okay. So, we got back together. The fridge out in the garage. Go on, go on. You're so, all good. So 
when we were at this third small church was when we separated. And it was, so I immediately, it was a small church. Um, Carrie had a lot of what I thought would be good, strong connections within the church. Um, we served a lot in that church, a lot, a lot, a lot. And so, and it was small enough where you only have one service. And right. if, if the two of us are going, that causes a lot of conflict. So I stepped out and went to this mega church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was probably not very long after that um, that they pretty much asked Carrie to leave because they didn't want her kind going to church there. You're kind. I kind. Is this because you're an alien? I am, but don't tell anybody. I'm trying not to. Is this because you were a PI and they didn't want you they there? They didn't like that they part. They didn't like their like she's a, up P, on them. she's a PI. She's watching us, man. Okay, no. So they didn't want a woman that was separated from her husband. Is that the deal? They didn't want divorcees there. They didn't want separation there. They wanted no injured human beings in their church. No, they did not. They did not have people like that in their church. And it's funny. Okay, I'm sorry. My mouth is agape. I'm the one that's supposed to be speaking on the on the air at that moment, but I'm like, I, I can't even. I can't even comprehend that. That would mean that that person needed uh, the shepherd more than ever before. You know, uh, in in Lutherans they call him a soul sorger. Okay? A what soul sorger? Oh. Okay, it's a German phrase, and it, it's it means it's pastor, but it it's it, I always like it because they call it, it sounds like a soul sorter. It's like you're to help this person work through their hard times, mm-hmm. and that's one reason I really like that, you know. But I can't imagine a pastor going, "Yeah, you're not my kind." Well, and it wasn't. I don't think it was so much the pastor as it was, you know, your yeah, Sunday school ju- just teachers. people. Your, you know, when your Sunday school teacher comes in and says, "You know what? We think you need to go find a different class." Well, this is the only class you have for adults. Where do you want me to go? And they kind of like started ostracizing my children, and I mean, it just was not a good thing. No, that's super unhealthy. Sad. Okay, and, and so I'm glad you brought up Church 3 because yeah. that's a horrifying kind of church. Go ahead. Well, and then so we so I went to Church 4, which is one of these multi-location across many states, right. different mega church. And while the pastor does really good at basically being a life coach, you know, you go to church, you spend your one hour in class, 45 minutes, you know, in church, and then you walk out the door. And, and, and their philosophy was, you know, we're just here to make you feel good on Sunday. And then you need to get engaged in, a, in an independent group, and that's where you... Small move. groups. Yep, mm-hmm. small groups. You need to get together with your small group. Keep moving. This is very interesting, very interesting. Okay. Well, I hope you pastors out there are listening because if you're dialed into this, this is some of the things that people are facing going through churches, jumping, jumping from church to church. They're not church jumpers. What they're doing is they're seeking 
people that can actually feed them and actually uh, take care of them a bit here. Mm-hmm. So this, mm-hmm. yeah, this is very good and, information. And this is why you hear people say, well, I'm not going to go to church because I was hurt so bad because of this. I mean, I could really say that out after that one church. And I mean, we dedicated seven or eight years of our lives and I mean, was very involved. I was shocked at the way we were treated there. So... Anyway, so then you so you're going to this big mega church and he is giving you the wink, wink, click, click, drop money in the plate. See you next week. Yeah. But at that time, that was when we were separated. I was struggling uh, personally. And so I got up off my chair and went to go find a small group and found a small group of of guys that were dedicated to finding the Lord through the mess that they were in currently. And in this group, we had probably six, eight, ten guys, two that were just starting a path, and two or three that had, you know, that were basically out in there trying to disciple the rest of us. And so in that class is where, you know, in that small group is where I found the Lord. And that's where he really pierced my heart and helped me find him. And then, in turn, that's what helped me soften everything everything about me so that I would be a better husband for Carrie. And that's probably a large part of what brought us back together. Yeah, you, uh, a marriage definitely, if you don't have Christ in it, it, it can be a true struggle. Mm-hmm. And there's a tremendous amount of people that are Christians that have struggle in their marriage and um that happens but the, it is a lot easier when you start to bring that you make sure Christ is the center of that you know one of the things that Christy and I were talking about the other day we were trained years ago uh when we first started pastoring actually is that um how you treat your spouse is how you treat Christ it's the same relationship you have with each other now here's the other deal <laughs> How you treat your siblings, how you treat your siblings is how you treat the Holy Spirit. Mm. And how you treat your parents is your concept and thought process. Both your parents is your thought processes on how you deal with the Father. And so we have this tendency that that's why so many people think uh, the Father is very condemning or judgmental or Mm. stuff to that effect. But how we treat our spouse truly does reveal how we are treating our uh, how we treat our relationship with Jesus. I'm going to give you a classic example: is guys that get too tied up in uh, they're always have the wondering eye, or the wife has the wondering eye. Either way, you follow what I mean. Mm-hmm. What happens with that is that uh, their fo- their focus is not on what it's supposed to be focused on. It's supposed to be focused on their relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, one thing is that Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the bride, so that is why that's tied together. And I, I always found that to be very helpful. And that, and the reason I bring this up is because that's what I hear you saying is when you started to develop that better relationship with Christ, it gave you a better relationship with your wife. Absolutely. So, so then where are we at now? So we... You know, we served in that church, or I served for most of the three years that we were separated, and we 
when we got back together, we served there together for probably, well, through COVID. And then, you know, COVID, they did as every other church did, and they shut down. And, you know, you could watch it online, and, oh, boy, that's wonderful. Oh, boy, it sure is convenient to be doing other things when you're on the – when the service was on, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, get up and go get a cup of coffee and go do this and go do that. And all of a sudden, oh, I've missed half the service, but I haven't missed anything. Right. So what, so what we find in some of those cases, we, weren't being, we still weren't being fed the word. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so then where'd we go? So then we started, we, we both acknowledged that we were not being fed. And, you know, we were in another small group and then, then you know, that was a couple's group. And it had its own personality with its own conflicts. And it got to the point that the conflicts were overriding what was being, you know, anything that was being preached out of the out of the word. And so we decided, you know what, it is time to just take a step back. And we know we want to be fed out of the word. We know that's what's important. And so we started looking at a couple of different churches to see, you know, who is teaching out of the word and and. How are they presented? And so we ended up at the church we are at now. We're not, it's not the best church in the world. And, you know, we know we're still missing some aspects. Um, You know, we both serve in the church today, but we don't have that personal relationship with anybody in the church because it's not that it's big, um, but we can go, well, you know, we went, I went probably five weeks without going to church, and nobody missed me. And, and not that I need to be missed, uh, but... No, no, but you don't have that personal relationship <laughs> no. happening at all. No. so not, not like we'd like. Right. Yeah. So what, what would you, Carrie, I'm going to start with you. What is it you would have... Expe- I mean, it's obvious being fed the word is, is very needed. Mm-hmm. And let's start with that. When you say fed the word, what does that mean to you? And I'm not well, trying to back you into a corner. Let's just make this very okay, clear. Fine. And I'm going to go, no, that's not what the word is. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do any of that. Now, I'm asking I'm because it, what you both have to realize what you're doing right here is coaching a bunch of young pastors mm-hmm. that are just starting to step into churches all over the place. Mm-hmm both in non-denominational within the Lutheran faith. I have a few within the, uh, well, they've recently left the Methodist church because of some of the conflicts there. You follow what I mean? And so uh, (laughs) what I'm saying is some of the information you're giving as just, just a person Mm -hmm. showing up for church, you're not, you're not the pastor. You're not the pastor's wife. You're not the, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, so you're offering some information. So, what does it mean to be receiving the word for you? What, what do you need from that pulpit? So I, I, I want a pastor who is preaching the word out of the Bible and the honest truth, not just pulling out little tidbits of whatever is going to make somebody feel good that day. I want you to be honest about it. I want you to say it like God said it and read it that way. Help break it down about what you know was trying to be said. Um, 
so that we can put that in our lives on a daily basis of having Christ in our life. I mean, we also want to have um, those relationships with other Christians who are like-minded, you know, and and know that um, Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And we want to, you know, be acknowledged that, um, I don't know if acknowledge is the right word, but, but to have relationship with others. I mean, he does tell us to, to have those relationship with other people that are like-minded. That's and, right. You, you know, church is a necessary part of being a Christian. Right. Because iron needs to sharpen iron. Right. I mean, part of, you know, we, I joke with you guys, and I know they don't know what happened out at during dinner. When, when we're pushing back and forth against each other in belief systems, it isn't out of anger, and it mm-hmm. isn't out of, uh, it is, that's how we sharpen each other, because mm-hmm. you both should walk away with a little bit of a limp going, did I do that right, or did I say he that cut right? cut my arms off, people. I did. <laughs> I cut her arms off. But uh, I guarantee you that I know carry well enough that the next time that I speak to her, she'll have straight answers for me and go, I'm prepared. <laughs> Bring it, buddy. <laughs> okay, what about you, Rob? What, do, what are some of the things that you start to seek in a church, um, and what is what does being fed look like to you? Being fed takes a couple different things. Um, you know, you don't go to the dinner table and only look for the meat. We need the rest. We need the fruits. We need the vegetables. We need everything. And so from the pastor, yes, we are looking for teachings from the Bible. And so the church we go to now has two pastors. And one is an absolute wonderful theologian. Theologian. Yes, yeah, that we're with you. Um, you know, he knows that Bible inside and out, but he is not that personable. Right. So, right. He he is what we would call a scholastic. Mm-hmm. And, and what that means is educated. He, he's oh, educated yeah. to the point where he has a hard time being part of the mystics, which is being able to spiritually connect with you. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. But he wants to make sure that everybody in his congregation knows this scripture, how it came about, the story behind it, everything up to leading to this, and then where to go from there. And so he's, you know, a wonderful pastor in that regard. But you're not going to catch him walking down the aisles after church, shaking everybody's hand. And then we have another pastor who is almost the polar opposite, who is very friendly, who... But just as knowledgeable... Just as knowledgeable, but he does it more as a storytelling instead of coming right out of the Bible. So you're getting, you know, no matter how you learn, because we all learn differently, no matter how you learn, you're going to get that information. And, you know, for them, one of their one of the uh, qualities that they believe in is from the pulpit, they want to preach about everything that's in the Bible. And so one of the questions they always ask is, what is the, the Lord, what is Christ not the Lord over in your life? And the answer should be, no, you know, 
he should be the Lord over everything. So that means finances. That means sexuality. That means politics. That means how you raise your kids. And so from the pulpit, they're going to cover all of that, whereas you know a lot of other churches, oh, well, no, we're not going to talk about sexuality. We're not going to talk about... LBGK or yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> you know, the any alphabet of that soup. Stuff. There yes. you go. Thank you. You know, and... We've raised our kids. We have seen how life has gone bonkers, for lack of a better word, and how society is going downhill. And so it is refreshing, sometimes shocking, sometimes alarming. Okay, this is what's going on. But it is, you know, it is refreshing to see that and to have some of the ammunition that we may need to go back and talk to our kids. And, you know, this is what the Bible says. So, you know, the, a lot of people will say, well, there's nothing in the Bible against homosexuality. But yet we know that in Leviticus, it's very clear. I think it's, uh, it's in New Testament, too. It's all over the place. <laughs> but, you know, the key thing is, and this is what I hear you saying, is that when we're dealing with the, they want to, you. What you guys want to hear is when you are dealing with modern issues, you want to see that the Bible is also showing you how to deal with an issue that is present in this day. Because it's never changing. It is never changing. I mean, <clears throat> let me tell you something about the devil. He ain't changed his game in the whole time he's been here. No. And, you know, one of the things that we uh, definitely have brought up, or I, I have a tendency to bring up with people, and I remind myself very often is that if he talked one third of the angels out of heaven, he's way smarter than I am because they saw God's face every day. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, you stop and think about it, and you think you're going to outsmart him? Mm-hmm. You, the only one that's going to conquer and overcome is going to be Christ, and it is only through Christ that we can, right? Absolutely. But Christ provides us with a lot of information in the Word, and that's what I hear you guys seeking. You are seeking for them to help you learn how to live your life as a Christian, correct? Yep. I mean, that becomes the main goal here. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then beyond that is finding a small group, you know, the pastor of any church is not there to be the best friend to everybody in his congregation. I kind of smile because Cody over there across the uh, studio is going, yeah, my pastor doesn't care if you're his friend or not. He just tells the truth and it's not always polite (laughs) because I am not. I just... I am not. But yeah. there are times that we also have to back up and go, hey, how do I help this person? It's like what you were talking about where they said they didn't take a look at what was going on in your life and try to help you with it. They tried to remove you. Mm-hmm. You know, that ain't cool. I mean, that, that, that's the epitome of wrong. And so go ahead, Rob. Well, but having, having a small group, having people in your community, and, and everybody's community is going to look a little bit different, but somebody that you are – reaching out to on a regular basis that you're iron sharpening iron, where you're going through the Word, you're helping to study, you're trying to answer and ask those questions that come to you on a you know, daily, weekly basis, but people that you break bread with, that you have that relationship with, that you can have relationship with for 15, 20 years. 
Right, right. And, you know, one of the, uh, what we always call that over, up there in Wyoming is we call that tribe. Mm-hmm. Because you got to have a tribe, because you got a family tribe, and then you got the big tribe, and then you got the national tribe. Because one thing in the book of Revelation, it doesn't say every congregate, every church, every congregation, and every uh, denomination. It says every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we got to start thinking in that avenue. Is that it's people that we got to learn how to speak the same language. That's mm-hmm. the tongues part, and uh, or the language part, and uh, the other part of that is we also got to learn how to be a tribe together. Meaning that I got to let you have your life that I'm not always involved in, but when you need me, I'm there. Right, and uh, when I need you, you're there, and that that stuff becomes super important. So uh, here with my last few minutes, so what is the one key thing that you would say not to a person looking for church, but what would be the best avenue for you uh, if you were looking for a church? What do you want the pastor to say to you when he walked through the door? What? How do you want to meet him? What do you? What do you want this to look like? And you're out there floating around, and you're coming to the media, medium church. It isn't a mega church and there's not just door greeters is actually the pastor standing up front and you know he's got a 150 200 people inside the church how do you want that to go not so much the pastor so i may be bursting your bubble right no 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 right no you're not bursting my (laughs) bubble i'm already liking this answer go but uh, again a congregation of 200 250 people you need to have the congregation open up their arms to you to welcome you in, to be the ones there that acknowledge, hey, we've got somebody new. We have got to, you know, let's introduce them to if they've got kids and introduce them to where the Sunday schools for the kids are going to be, where the nursery is going to be, and just welcome them in. But it goes beyond that first time. You know, when they come back the second time, somebody needs to be there and recognize them again and help them transition through that it's, it's like a family you know you want to walk in and you want them to accept you already as a family oh here let me help you let me show you the way you know that kind of thing and, and, and i'm not saying but i think it starts at the pulpit you've got to have your pastor that is somebody who is outgoing and encourages his congregation to be a loving caring church if the pastor's not that way, your church is not going to be that way. And as much as we love the church we're going to, that is how that has come around. Because the original pastor didn't have that personality. The the assistant pastor has come in, and that's his personality, and he is bringing that so that that's kind of turning around, and we're seeing that difference with him. But it makes a huge difference. I mean, if you just walk through the door and the and the and everything about it is cold, besides just the church, what's the point of being there? Right. I right. mean, people you know, are searching, and they and they need more than just their family. They need that. So yeah, you know, I know that with like uh, just within our church, that's that's the point of the fellowship time afterwards, etc., is to try to make sure that people get met spoken to etc so yeah this is a good that's good information so you need to give a shout out to anybody specific before we end today no you're hoping nobody heard your show (laughs) i got it all right 
Well, I just yeah. want to say thank you both for being on here today. What do you got? We'll, we'll shout out to everybody in Wyoming. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We, we miss Casper except for the wind. I don't blame we you. We are Nobody a little jealous that. of, you know, you all got mountains and we're just got anthills, but... Uh, you guys, get, but you guys got some unique things about Oklahoma. Love you, Starla. Miss you. <laughs> a couple of things that is really kind of fun about down here. There's a lot of very cool history about mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Uh, there is also a lot of historical things that are floating around here. Like what is it called? The he- what? What's the stone called with the, the all the runes on it? that the Vikings left. Remember that? That's in Oklahoma. I can't remember the name of it either. But, you know, there's, there's all kinds of cool stuff down here, and that's that's very unique place. So, hey, thanks but, for having us in your but studio. we do not get do, the snow that you, you do. You don't get – do you guys ever get snow? Maybe well, once a year. They yeah. call it snow, but – I don't know what that is. It isn't really snow. <laughs> it's, it's more it's ice. Like bad dandruff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can tell you this. Robbie, when he was young, what he did was strap a snow shovel onto the front of his vehicle and started driving south until somebody goes, what's that used for? And he goes, that's where I'm going to stay. And he's been in Oklahoma ever since. So... <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let me tell you, thank you both. Thank you both so very much for having me in your home and uh, taking a little time with me tonight. See, it wasn't near as bad as you thought it would be, huh? Whew, I'm telling you. I'm I was telling worried. you. I, well, I give these guys <laughs> such a bad time at dinner, so they, uh, especially Carrie, I take every opportunity I can to just get her turned on edge. It's just. And he's uh, been doing that since he was like nine, y'all. I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah. It's just great entertainment to me, like nobody. Business, so uh, thank you guys. I appreciate yeah, you're you welcome. very, Thanks very much. Thanks for having very, us on here. Not a problem. So I just want to tell y'all, at uh, as we're as we're starting to check out uh, down here, you're going to hear a few shows here over the next uh, couple of weeks that are going to come out of this conference, and some of the things that we're going to be talking to, we're going to talk to some people about different parts of the Lutheran faith, etc. But we're also going to challenge them with uh, some of the current thought processes and uh, why they stand so firm on some of the things they stand on. And we have access to some of the uh, best minds I've ever met when it comes to theology um, that will be very, very interesting to hear. And then we'll turn right around and tackle some more of this from the Pentecostal end here a few weeks down the road, hopefully. And uh, so I just want to tell you all again, you guys know for a fact that Jesus loves you and I love you and there isn't a dang thing you can do to stop us. For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness and the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that.
that one more thing that I wanted to remind you of is that if you don't have a home church, you need to seek one out because we need each other. And the one thing that happens is if you are facing depression, you're facing separation, you're facing anxiety, don't be afraid to reach out to a local church and start speaking to somebody. We run into hard times all the time, but I tell you what, Jesus didn't put us here to be alone. He put us here to be with one another. So God bless you, and we'll see you next time on The Barbarian Prophet.